Hello and welcome to Talking Bottom. I'm Matt Brooks. I'm Ange Pearson. And I'm Paul Tanzer. Today's I'm... guest... Oh. <laughs> I'm Roger Sloman. Oh, I'm just going to do a bit of an intro for you, Roger. So oh, no, okay, no, fine. Sorry, I'll shut up then. It's all right. Well, we'll leave all this in. It's fine. <laughs> Today's guest originally trained to be a teacher. Luckily, he ditched that and went on to become an actor whose face has graced our screens in many different roles we're all familiar with and are a firm part of British culture. As an accomplished stage actor, he's performed in Much Ado About Nothing, Henry IV, Henry V, Richard II, The Iceman Cometh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, What the Butler Saw, and The Magistrate. His screen credits include, but are not limited to, Nuts in May, Ripping Yarns, The Sweeney, Grange Hill, Kevin Turvey, The Man Behind the Green Door, Blackadder, A Kick Up the 80s, The Comic Strip Presents, Private Enterprise, Press Gang, Bergerac, Mr Bean, the British Empire, Goodnight Sweetheart, Family Affairs, Inside Number Nine, Man Down, The Young Ones, and as we have mentioned numerous times on this podcast, he plays the comb-over sporting dodgy landlord, Mr. Harrison, in two episodes of Bottom. Roger Sloman, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you talking Bottom with us today. Well, it's nice to be here. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you. We'd like to begin with how you got started as an actor. What was it that appealed to you and how did you find your way into the industry? Oh my goodness! I, I, I can tell you, I, I was—I didn't start acting till I was in the sixth form, and I had a stutter when I was at school. So I think I was—I I was never in a play, and then I was in a play, and and it went very well. And then I went off to teachers' training college, and I realised I didn't want to be a teacher. So as soon as that came to an end, I went off and applied to drama school, and that's how I got started. What were you teaching as a teacher or what did you train to teach as? I, 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 I was doing primary school teaching, actually, um, uh, uh, towards the end. I started off wanting to be an English teacher in secondary schools, but then I, I sort of gravitated towards being a primary school teacher. I had a few hairy experiences with my secondary school teaching practices. They weren't very nice to me and I thought, <laughs> I think I'm going to do primary. But then uh, you used to get these pink forms to fill in your application to be a teacher and uh, everybody was filling them in and I was filling in applications to drama school. So that's how I started, basically. And and then when I finished, I went to East 15 Acting School and then when I, I was three years there and then I got the most amazing start. I went to uh, the Liverpool Everyman when it was in its heyday uh, with Alan Dosser in 1970. And I did about... Four years in rep and then I came to London and uh, started to get into television and um, you know this was in the days when the rep was up and functioning and it was marvellous and it was a great start a great start totally different totally different to what it is now because they you know folks come out of drama school and they go into television film straight away you know yeah yeah of course i'm in the liverpool everyman days i'm i'm from the wirral um so i know liverpool everyman very well i'm very very um i'd love to have been around to enjoy that time but um could you tell us a bit then um obviously because we're talking about the comedy kind of scene um how did you get involved with the comic strip team and alternative comedy then from the 80s well, basically through Kick Up the 80s, I got involved in both series of Kick Up the 80s and Rick was doing Kevin Turvey. That was the first thing that he did. And um, we got on very well and so on. And so then when he started doing the comic strip, um, the young ones, um, I was asked to be in that, which I was really chuffed about, actually. you know. And um, so it was... The Young Ones, Bottom, Comic Strip, Lenny Henry, 
Um, I did the Lenny Henry show, you know. So I got into that stream in the in the eighties, basically. Fantastic. So it was the kid of the eighties when you first met Rick, certainly, and then. Oh yeah, because he was doing Kevin Turvey, and mm-hmm. I, I, I used, my eyes popped out my head because he used to be rewriting it up until the moment that he recorded it, you know. And we'd all been rehearsing our sketches, and I thought, blimey, he, he's got some what's uh, <laughs> you know, I, and. Uh, and and so and then you know once he started to go into other things, I um I got invited along, which was very nice. So your yeah. first impressions of Rick then were were was it of a you know sort of wow look at this guy he's he's you know he's able to I, do it almost effortlessly or I was about effortlessly, but I thought he had some flipping well I. I thought he had some cajones, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I think he talked about his, his cajones quite a lot, didn't he, and his, his large prowess. Um, yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Did you ever see Rick and Aid perform at that time then, obviously around like kind of the Dangerous Brothers and live at the... No, I hadn't. No, I hadn't. No, no. I, I kind of wished I had looking back, really. That would have been great. No, no, I hadn't. I mean, uh, no. I mean, I didn't know anything about the, their Manchester days, you know, and, and, and all, all of that. You know, I, I didn't sort of hook up. And of course, I didn't hook up with Aid until until, until the young ones, really. Right. You know. mm. Wonderful. And so tell us a bit about Kevin Turvey then. Like, what were your first impressions of that character? I was uh, I was slightly blown away by it because it was, I thought it was totally original. And um, I thought he was really brave with the way he did it and um and i thought it stood out really you know mm. especially as the first series of kick up the 80s was a little bit kind of not as not as out there as the second series you know i mean the first series had richard Stilgo, and then the second series had robbie coltrane so you know um and i think rick just uh, just stood out with what he was doing really what were you doing on there, Roger? Because I have to confess, I haven't seen all of the Kick Up the 80s. Were you oh, in kick, the sketch group? Kick Up the 80s was basically a, 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 a sketch uh, programme, you know, where we did lots of sketches from loads and loads of scriptwriters used to send their their um, their, uh, their material in and then we'd make a choice. And then it was Miriam Margulies, Tracy Ullman, Ron Bain and myself, basically, and Richard Stilgo. I think the I think the idea for the first series was that we were going to take Richard Stilgo away from from what he'd been doing before, you know, and make him a bit more edgy, if you like. Um, uh, and um, so that was that was uh, uh, part of it as well. But uh, I mean, he was doing his his thing, and and but but Miriam, Tracy, Ron, and I were basically doing sketches, and I was I had a box of wigs and hair pieces and was you know putting one on and sometimes two you know so to play all these different characters basically you had a small appearance as the park warden who got into a fight with kevin turvey and the man behind the green door yeah. do you remember much from filming that i do i i do i i remember <laughs> i remember particularly um i've done this wonderful uh, stage show called the fosdite saga at the bush and we'd had a slow motion fight and uh, one of the one of the best bits in it was when I got hold of his, uh, my Philip Jackson's nose and, and pulled it back. And I remember suggesting that to uh, to Rick and, oh, he went for that big time. And so he says, let's do that. So that's how that got into the fight, you know, because we thought that that's tried and tested, that one. I, I said, this will get a laugh. And uh, I remember that, yeah. 
and uh, I, I remember doing it. It was a lot of fun. I mean, one of the things I have to say about all the stuff that I did with Rick and A, what I loved about it was there was never any danger that you were going to overplay it. And <laughs> I, I love that. I love the energy. You know, I was, nobody was asking me to underplay ever. You know, <laughs> that that suited me down to the ground. You know? Fantastic. Across in your performances, Roger, they're fantastic. Yeah, yeah I used to, I used to, oh, blimey, this is heaven, you know. And then, uh, and then later on, comedy turned, didn't it? It turned a corner, and uh, uh, but but this wasn't. This was pre that. <laughs> well, on that subject with overplaying characters and the young ones, you managed to portray the most accurate and realistic depiction of a TV licensed inspector man that's ever been committed to screen, Mister Right Bleeding Bastards. Yeah. Was that based on any bastards in real life? No, no, it, it no, it wasn't actually. No, I, I remember thinking well, this guy's got to be really out there, you know, and, and uh, given what I saw them doing, I thought, actually, you, you've got to have a go at kind of matching up to it or, or uh, you know, or, 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 or being on top of it, seeing as I was, you know, supposed to be a right-bleeding bastard. I've got, a funny, I've got a funny story, but I, I, I once told this story on radio and, and it brought the programme to a halt because... <laughs> It was uh, it was too early in the morning for it. Please tell it. We're not you want to, you want to hear it? Oh, it was great. There's a very long escalator at Tottenham Court Road Underground Station, you know, that goes up from the depths. And I was going up it, the only person around, and there was a bloke coming down the opposite way. Just as he got opposite me, he went, Bastard! I went, What? <laughs> what do you mean? He said, No, bastard, I'll just be watching you, right bleeding bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, nice, good, yeah, because it's you're back in the day of video. <laughs> Brilliant. So he recognised you for your role, not not your character, as in yes. your, your personal yeah, character. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We like to ask, like, to fill in some of the blanks of the character's histories and stuff. I know you didn't write the part, but your character mentions that uh, he killed his only friend. <laughs> Do you have any theories on what happened there? No, not at all. Yeah. Sorry, I can't. Can't help you with that. I just thought yeah. uh, it was a uh, it was a useful a useful character pointer. That's for sure. You know. Uh, so yeah, but I don't know how that. Happened. Sorry. Well, this isn't a question, but I just need to sell you. Eat the telly is one of my all time favourite lines delivered in all of comedy. Probably top three line. I used to quote that all the time as a kid. Yes, yes, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I listen. I've got I've got a few lines that that I uh, I've always enjoyed, and another one was I did a um I did a kind of uh, sci-fi spoofy thing once, and I was playing a policeman. I, I was saying, "Stand back, stand back! It's just a dead elf." <laughs> <laughs> was like that one. Do you enjoy playing characters who are who are a bit of a bastard quite a lot? Yeah, I do. I do actually. In fact, I've just I've just played one and really enjoyed it. Um. Diane Morgan has got a series called Mandy, um, which are, you know, 15 minute uh, uh, short, yeah. you know, mm. and I was I, I was thrilled to bits because she actually she actually just wrote me a part. And uh, it was one of these, really. I, I sort of they asked me to do um, a bit of publicity for them. And I, I did say I enjoy playing cracked authority figures. Yeah. <laughs> do people often write you parts? Because you've got such a unique voice, Roger, that we wondered, you know, like if, I, if people sort of go, right, I, I know exactly who, who, who to get for this. As far as I know, well, I, I, as far as I know, this is the first one that's specifically been 
been been written for me. But I can, I can tell you another funny story was uh, a friend of mine said, this was back when I could have done with it. He said, uh, yeah, I can't believe it. He said, I've just been up for an ad, a commercial. He said, and at the top, it said, this is a Roger Sloman part. And I said, well, why did they ask me? <laughs> why are they doing a casting? Why did they ask me if it's a Roger Sloman part? You sure didn't just say bastard at the top? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would have been uh, useful, yeah. yeah. But there, yeah, there are so, some similarities, certainly, between Wright Bean and Bastard and Mr. Harrison. Yes, uh, yeah. So we, were, uh, we did wonder whether perhaps you'd been, you know, cast for bottom with with that in mind, or you never I, heard of that. I, I think they, I think they had that. I think they saw maybe saw that actually uh, that, that 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 can be done, and so we'll write another one. And then, of course, I was chuffed because I, I got to do a comb over, and uh, and I always like doing those, you know, doing a, doing a Bobby Charlton, um, you know, a bit seedy. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, it's I mean, it's an incredible characterization. <laughs> it's a super that. comb over as well. It's so yeah. long. Good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they were they were very good at the BBC with all their uh, hair pieces and stuff. I used to enjoy it. But it looked convincing, like you know, it, it could have been your own. Yeah, <laughs> is that an insult? I just know. <laughs> no, I guess it no, was so genuinely, have... you know, believable as a comb over. No, I'm, 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 I'm definitely a member of the Bald Liberation Front. I mean, <laughs> I, I went bald by the time I was twenty-one, I think, oh, and no. so yeah, so I spent the whole of the sixties without any hair, and uh, so it got amusing for me because when when I got to thirty to thirty, some people started to lose their hair and were having grief. And of course, I used to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it'll catch up to everyone in the end, I imagine. Yeah. So what were your thoughts when you first read the script for Bottom? It would have been the episode where you were oh, um, I was, letting uh, them run the shop for you. Yeah, I was I was thrilled. I, I mean, I was thinking about it before we did this and, and there was a there was a difference, you know. When we when we did the first series in particular of the young ones, you know, the BBC were a bit jumpy about it. You know, Paul Jackson was running up and down to the top office to quieten them down. You know, because they weren't sure that this was you know going to go and then where they might be on dodgy territory. But by the time we got to do or they got to do bottom, you know, it was tried and tested. They knew that they were onto a winner. You know, mm-hmm. and of course the big difference as well was that it was it was their vehicle. So the sort of uh, whole atmosphere around it was very different. But the, um, the dialogue that you're gifted is Mr. Harrison. I mean, did that leap out the page to you immediately? Do you remember reading the script? Or I, I, I tell you, all of, all of the stuff that I did with them, I was always totally happy with it. So I never rewrote anything or I never thought, oh, that's a tricky line or anything. I, I, no, I mean, it was always a, mm. it was always a gift. Did you get much in the way of uh, direction from Rick or Aid in the way to play the character? You know, was there a sort of uh, summation of the kind of man he was or anything? No, no. It, it, they were always totally free. I, I never, I don't remember any anything like that, you know. No, uh, it was all very, all very free and easy. Um, and Rick and Aid uh, trusted you to interpret the lines in your own inimitable way. I think so. Uh, that's, yeah, I think they did. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember ever, you know, anything. No, I don't remember getting any. Uh, no, just let me go. <laughs> yeah. No holding back. Um, nah. And do you? What do you remember from during filming on both episodes, from the Christmas special and also the shop one? Do you have any? I, the thing that I remember mostly was our. And I, I mean, it's, I still find it remarkable to this day. Really, is that you know, 
you know, Rick in particular, he's out there, you know, doing that, uh, what he does right on the edge, you know, and, and, and aid is as well, you know, and, um, and technically, you know, that can be very difficult because you can actually drop off the edge, you know, and say, oh, no, sorry, I've lost it. And they never did. And I always used to be kind of slightly, whoa, uh, slightly uh, really impressed by it, actually. And I mean, if you follow through, I mean, what he did, that character that he plays in Black Adder, you know, I mean, that's that's incredible the way he keeps up that that level energy, you know, Black yeah. heart. energy. It's 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 a huge skill, you know. And did, I mean, we we've heard previously um, from other people who've interviewed that Rick was actually quite nervous before filming. Was that? Yeah, there that was a, there was a difference actually. It was very interesting. Um, it, it, I do remember actually there was a difference, huge difference in the in the in the in the in the makeup room and in the you know in the in the green room between Rick and Aid, I mean, uh, Rick would be bouncing off the walls and, and they would be much more, uh, much quieter. But I mean, a different approach, you know, you, 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 you know yourself and you know what you do in order to get ready to do what you've got to do. I mean, I'm, I mean, Aid would then go from being very quiet to going on and being manic, you know, but he wasn't manic before we actually um, got on. Whereas Rick's energy... Oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I they mean, say, he would be—he would be firing up all cylinders. Yes, yeah. 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 They or, say to use or, your nerves as energy, though, don't they? Into your performance, yeah. and boy, Rick do that. Yeah. And and of course, you know, everybody, every performer is different, and you kind of learn what's your what's your best approach. And sometimes you don't want to be around that energy before you go on because that might tip you you see so you have to say oh yeah that's right that's going on and yeah what, were you what, more um, quiet then hmm? were you more of a quiet bit more like i, I was oh yes i couldn't have done that i, I mean i can't <laughs> there's a well I, I learned something when i was at drama school about that and that is i was playing i was playing a character in in chekhov uh called the bear who's terribly 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 terribly, terribly angry and I got myself so wound up, so wound up, that I went on, said two lines and fainted. <laughs> <laughs> and then I managed to recover and did the whole of this one-act play in a complete fog. Uh, but I learned a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go too method. Yeah. Don't go too far, yeah. What are your thoughts on the characters that Rick and A play, Rich and Eddie? They're quite sort of grotesque characters for, uh, for a bit for a primetime BBC sitcom what did you think of those uh, they were sort of also extensions of the roles they had previously played in the young ones and dangerous brothers and that kind of thing um what did you think what do you think of the characters well I think I think all this was I think it was all groundbreaking I don't think you know anything that you know had not been seen before I mean uh, I mean I suppose you could say Monty Python had already been on and been some way towards that except that I think there was a you know, there's that great clip which you've seen, I know, which is of them coming out and doing their warm-up, you know, saying all the swear words that we can't say in, <laughs> you know, in the programme. And I think they've gone a step further than Monty Python. And I think that was, you know, I mean, I think the young ones kind of uh, started it mm. and then they, they took it a, 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 another step forward. Do you recall if there were uh, if there was any response to the show from the BBC or from audience or anything like that? Did you get much feedback on you know after you'd appeared on it? Oh, I, oh, I think the audience. Did. I think the audience loved it. I mean, I think the, the live audience absolutely, you know, were right right on board. You know, they they really loved it. I mean, there wasn't. I mean, I used to do 
God, I, I used to do so many sitcoms, you know, and, and sometimes they get bogged down, you know, with technical and then the warm-up man would be desperately trying to keep them, you know, entertained, you know, so we could get back on the same level and it, and it didn't happen. And I don't remember that happening when we were doing Bottom. Obviously, you were in two episodes across two of the series. Was there ever any talk of having Mr. Harrison back for the third series in another capacity? No, no, I don't remember that. I, I mean, I suppose... There is a small bit of me that thinks it would have been a gas to go on the tour. I think <laughs> I wouldn't have. That would have been fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, no, no, it didn't know that. that I can, I can only, uh, I imagine the cheer that would have gone up in, in venues when Mr. Harrison suddenly well, let, you, let burst through a door. Yeah. That would have been amazing. Yeah, that would have been all right. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have minded that, you know, because those that they pay to, you know, quite a few people. And I think it might have been a gas, actually. You know? <laughs> yeah. Did you know when you did the first appearance that there would be another one in the, in the, down the line? Or no, you just thought yeah. it was a one off? Yeah. No, no, just, just thought it was a, a one-off you know I, I mean I mean I think over the years I kind of learned that you know uh, you know sometimes in, re- in in looking back you can reinvent you know what it was actually like and think oh yeah you knew this was gonna but you didn't another question about the character's life and stuff this time Mr Harrison can you fill in some of the blanks completely up to you of what you feel Mr Harrison's life was like apart from the Richie and Eddie stuff what do you think he got up to before and after his interactions with with those two I I, I remember thinking oh this is uh, this is a few this is this is very close to a few of the CD landlords that I've known in my life you know um, and um, I, I remember going back over some of the uh, weird characters that I came across when I was a student and, and beyond and using all of those outside of it and um, you know I, all the kind of penny pinching and and treating um, tenants badly and all that kind of thing yeah so continuity was never really something Rick and A worried about with their show there's something that's that's bugged us a little bit with the fact that in previous episodes Richie explains that it's his auntie's flat and Eddie owes him rent then there's a landlord who wants the rent for those two. Do you think Mr. Harrison secretly having off with the auntie and collecting the rent on her behalf? What do you I think? Really, I really don't know about that. I'm sorry, I couldn't help you. But I can understand that uh, it would be a talking point. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I don't know. I couldn't help you with that. Sorry. I would think just, yeah, imagination wise, we can just say that Richie's auntie and Mr. Harrison were. <laughs> Well, you yeah, 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 fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, in the same vein, though, just while we're on Mr. Harrison, I mean, he hated his mother. Do you have you rewatched or do you remember the lines you got given about about Mr. Harrison's mum? I tell you what, um, I, I, I knew we were going to do this and uh, I couldn't actually find the episodes, you know, oh, to yeah. have a look at. So if you can uh, send me. Uh, they're not they seem to be on YouTube. So uh, okay. uh, they took I, them off Netflix, bastards. There are places where they are. I'll, I'll send you the links to them so you can have a rewatch. But Holy does get repeated quite a lot at Christmas by the BBC. Oh, right. um, is that sort of heaven sent in terms of residual checks uh, popping through the uh, popping through the door? It's uh, it's about it's about the they're all just about the same actually i mean i get i'm i'm kind of blessed because i've got a lot of ones which are steady you know what i mean and you get and they're they're all just about the same you don't get 
I mean, in terms of checks, the one that the one that did get repeated usually was Mr. Bean because it got got worldwide, worldwide, and yeah. it was there's no no language difficulty, and it was ten ships in the Atlantic Ocean and all the rest of it, you know. So yeah. yeah. And do you ever get fans then shouting lines at you? I mean, obviously you've mentioned the bastard line, but have you ever had any bottom lines thrown at you or go to bed spotty or anything like that? I, I think I did. I think I did some time ago, but uh, no, not not recently. No. Uh, it's been a little while. Well, I'd love to ask you to call me a care. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's one that I absolutely love. Just yeah. like literally calling his own mum a care. Dead yeah. mum. <laughs> Did you keep in touch with Rick and Aid after Bottom? I kind of, uh, I kind of lost touch with them a little bit, really. Um, I used to bump, bump into, I bump into Aid, and I, I bump into them sometime in the BBC bar. You know, if I was, I was doing something, uh, something else, and, and everybody would be in the bar after the, after that. I bumped into them once or twice, uh, but no, I mean, I bumped into Aid once when I was on holiday down in Dorset. Uh, but no, we didn't actually keep in touch. You know. Fair enough. I mean, it's been 30 years since the show was born um, this year. Are you surprised that people are still talking about Bottom? I'm so, wow. I mean, I'm yeah, and not only Bottom, but also uh, all the other programs which seem to be remembered. You know, I mean, I I'm sort of gobsmacked by our nuts in May. You know, is being watched by by young people now. You know, um, and has become sort of iconic and um yeah 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 but i mean it's kind of funny because you know you you nicely went through the list of things that i've done but uh you know people say oh can you tell me what i've seen you in (laughs) (laughs) it's a long list you know yeah matt barely had a chance to take a breath reading Uh, (laughs) i skipped a bunch as well there's yeah yeah. you you go on imdb you know and my list is uh is a bit is a bit long man yeah you mentioned nuts in may there which is something of course people are still talking about and enjoying today and bottom as well something else that you as well as being in my favorite comedy you were also in one of my very favorite dramas of the 90s when you appeared in cracker yeah um, in a very harrowing gripping storyline yeah um what was it like joining such an iconic and and great show for those episodes? That must have been great as an actor. It was great because it was a it was a great script. But I tell you why it was uh, was kind of an interesting experience the way that the years passed really because for me I'd done kick up the eighties with Robbie you know and uh, that was Robbie then and then you fast forward to, to him being established as Cracker you know and he'd grown into kind of major star in a in a drama and that was terrific to see yeah but i can tell you something actually robbie is phenomenal a phenomenal thing where he could he could like talk and be funny right up until you were doing the take you know yeah. and, and, then then just, and then just and then what yeah. and you you wouldn't you would not know that anything you know what i mean um which was really quite extraordinary actually Turn um, on like the get into the character just like that, and then come. No, out absolutely, out. straight yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you find you had to stay in your role as a as a bastard for the whole <laughs> duration of filming on set? Then, or could you turn it on and turn it off? No, I think you have to you have to play your own game and not uh, <laughs> not think I can do that because you might come a cropper. <laughs> yeah. um, and in terms of TV comedy, is there anything on TV now that you particularly enjoy? Well, as a matter of fact, I uh, we watch we watch a lot of um, American comedy on Netflix, and um, and we like a lot of those, you know. Um, 
I've liked Schitt's Creek. I've liked Modern Family, and um, and there's another one which is you, you know um, a family in four pieces or, or something like that. You know, I, I like mm. a lot. Of, I like a lot of those. Yeah. So you don't watch much British comedy now, or just the the American? Not so much. Get, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be honest. The, the the change that happened with underplaying with The Office, <laughs> sort of, it never it never went my way. I, I've never kind of been, you know, a, a, a big a big fan of that. You know. Do you, do you, do you feel exactly. like the British comedy's lost something slightly by um, since since shows like The Young Ones and Bottom? There's not a lot of physical comedy on television. No. No, no, is that I, something we feel an absence of? For well, for me, I, I, I suppose because that's sort of my taste, and uh, mm. you know, and um, I, I think so. I've enjoyed hugely enjoyed doing this Mandy with with Diane Morgan, who was terrific and generous, and you know, you know, nobody was saying hold back, you know, as well. So I thought, hello, I, I'm I'm back where I belong, you know. So <laughs> so that's been that's been terrific, and I did it. I I did enjoy Motherland. Um, I, I I enjoyed that very much. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like that. There's this hyper real scenarios now that seems to be the taste, but I do think there's still room for the exaggeration within that. I think it. Yeah. As you say, it just has to be written and it has to be allowed to play out. Um, and yeah. things have definitely changed over the years. I mean, we obviously have um, got got a love for Bottom and like that's what shaped our funny bones. But when you were growing up, what sort of shows did you watch? Would it have been Steptoe and Son? And those All of, of those. Shows? Yeah. Hancock's, Hancock's Half Hour, Steptoe and Son. Some mothers do have them. I used to watch and all, all of those ones and uh, yeah. fantastic shows. AIDS previously joked that he and Rick basically ripped off Galton and Simpson um, oh. by writing Bottom. Did you ever chat to Rick and or AID about their respect for Galton and Simpson's partnership? I don't. I don't remember doing that. No, but they. Oh my God, they were they were they were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and those those comedy. I, I tell you one thing that I had thought. Uh, over the years is that you know back when they were doing those like dad's army you know if you look at the cast of dad's army all of those people they learned their craft and variety a lot of them and and a lot of them have, have done a lot of theater and comedy and, and and stuff like that and they brought all that to it you know and i think it i think it showed i mean those guys in dad's army were absolutely brilliant i mean that's that, that is one of my favourite comedies, actually. I, I, I just love mm. it. Dad's Army is fantastic, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, many British comedies like Hancock's Half Hour and Steptoe and Son and Bottom, class is a running theme. Why do you think it is that class plays such a crucial role in British comedy? Oh, because we're obsessed with it. It runs through. I mean, because we've got a we've got a monarchy and then and then it goes down from there and, and it's not classless now, but it... It used to be much more openly apparent than it is now. I mean, when I was growing up in the 50s, cut it with a knife. Everybody was very well aware of everybody's nuance of accent and, you know, anything that was anything that was a slight indication of what class you belong to. And then I mean, the 60s happened and, and it became fashionable to have a, a, a Cockney accent. And so the public school boys started to do a Cockney accent and, you know, but he never, he never really went away, did he? And we seem to have a habit of uh, public school boys being prime ministers, you know, so what's changed? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in Nuts and May, of course, there's that fantastic scene where you end up having the fight with the guy on the motorbike and in the other yeah. tents and everything. I mean, that was a lesson in different class and different tensions. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah, because Keith and Cambrat, Candice Marie lived a life where they didn't rub up against these people. So, the, you know, how do you deal with people like that? The play for today that Nuts in May was, I mean, it's a fantastic thing. Do you think, again, we're kind of missing that sort of drama on, on telly now, or do you think it was yeah. of its time? Yeah, because there used to be play for today, you know, which mm -hmm. went out every Wednesday, you know, and now the kind of product is so, so wide-ranging. People could watch so much now on all the different channels whereas whereas you know back then people used to go into work and talk about the wednesday play for today and what was on because they only had what three four channels mm. you know to watch so yeah and yeah i mean when i talk to to my my friends you know who are in the same game and have been we say i went out with a couple of chums last week you know and we had a drink and uh you know thank god we were lucky my generation of actors, I think, were lucky to have been around and, and, and you know, during that time. And you played a huge variety of great roles over the years. Would you describe yourself as a character actor? I suppose I would, yeah. I suppose in the old, the old sense, it's a great thing. When you do <laughs> in Spotlight, you know, is it leading actor or character actor, you know? And, uh, yeah. Oh, I remember early on there was a wonderful actor called Brian Pringle, you know, and uh, and we were having a laugh, and he said, "Ah, oh, yeah, we're all character men here." You know, I think, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Out of everything that you've played, is there one that that you sort of hold as your favourite? No, oh, well, I I owe I owe a great deal in terms of my career to Keith in in Nuts in May because yeah. it became for me a kind of calling card, you know, and and I got a lot of people came looking for me because of that so you know i owe a huge debt to to mike lee and to and to nazi me at may in terms of my and my career did you audition for that roger or were you offered the part how did that come no about? i tell you what happened there what happened was um mike lee was doing uh, a play uh, uh, he was offered a play upstairs at the royal court and he got three actors together alison steadman myself and jeffrey hutchings and we did this play which was called wholesome glory and Keith and Candice Marie were in this play. And um, the, the plot of it was that basically it was a Sunday afternoon and they'd invited his brother around for this awful afternoon where he had to listen to them singing songs and, and doing their poetry and stuff like that. And, and the audience used to grit their teeth and look at it through, you know, through their fingers, you know, because it was funny, but it was also agonising as well. So... Mike Lee knew that he was onto something. So when he got the opportunity through David Rose at Pebble Mill to do a, a, a play for today, he brought back Candice, Keith and Candice Marie. Mm. Uh, so that's how that started. Do you have a preference between comedy and drama? Well, not really. Um, I, I like I like doing both. I'm sort of happy that I've got, I suppose, I've got some funny bones. I mean, mm. and which, you know, uh, has been a kind of blessing, really, um, over the years. I'm always comfortable doing comedy. We're very glad that you've got those funny bones and yeah. have brought them to a lot you of our favourite comedies. You make it look effortless. You really do, Roger, in, um, Thanks. in all of your performances in The Young Ones of Bottom and Across. You know, it's... Uh... Well, thanks very much. <laughs> um, and I we'll just finish by asking, uh, what are you working on at the moment? Is there anything you can share with us that you've got coming up? Well, I've got this Mandy, which is the second series 
so I think it's episode four, but that might change. But um, it's um, it's the one. It's the one which is called Mandy goes on a cruise, and I am I am the purser <laughs> in it um, when she goes on the cruise. I've got that. I'm also I've also got a, a short film that I'm about to do at the end of this month. So that's that's another thing. But I don't know when that's when that's coming out. Do you have a comb over in either of these performances? Do you know, I don't, but I, I could have done. I could have got a comb over as the person. That was an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to watching that. And um, thank you very much for joining us here today, Roger. It's, thank been, you. it's been fun. Thank you very much. Thank Cheers. you very much. Appreciate Bye it. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Take care. All the best. Thanks.